This episode of the Backside Ground Balls podcast is presented by The Performance Academy. For all of your athletic training needs, train with purpose at The Performance Academy. TPA houses a number of training resources from private baseball and softball instruction to team sports performance classes. Utilize advanced technologies like output sports, hit tracks, and TrackMan to take your game to the next level. On top of our elite staff and advanced technological capabilities, be a part of the TPA family and take advantage of the many resources our facility has to offer. We are super excited to announce that we are now partnering with Routine Baseball. For all of your clothing needs, athleisure, the sickest baseball gear you can get. We're talking hoodies, shorts, sweatpants, sunglasses, hats, any baseball style you can imagine. Routine Baseball has it, and we are now partnered with them. All you got to do is go to routine.com backslash backside ground ball. That's a mouthful, so I'm going to say it again. It's routine.com backslash backside ground ball and check out all the different options they have you will receive 10 percent off your order today one more time routine.com backslash backside ground ball and get 10 percent off your order today want to go to a game how about a concert how about going to see classical music whatever you're into there's only one place to get your tickets Thankfully, we are partnered with SeatGeek, the essential resource for live events. For any of your ticket needs, make sure you go over to SeatGeek.com and use the code BACKSIDEGROUNDBALL to receive $20 off your first purchase. Again, that is SeatGeek.com, promo code BACKSIDEGROUNDBALL to receive $20 off your first purchase. What's going on, everybody? We're coming to you here at the Performance Academy in Apex, North Carolina. We got a super fun day here today, but first we're going to sit down with semi-senior. I've been holding that one in my back pocket. <laughs> Alex Madera. Uh, he's a middle infielder at the University of North Carolina. Alex, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. So a little bit of background on our relationship. Obviously, I coached you at Arcadia, uh, where you had a ton of success, quite frankly, I think is putting it lightly. Now you've been able to transfer down to North Carolina with us. I know you followed me down here, so um, that was the main intention of you moving down here. What went into that decision and how has that transition been from Division Three to, obviously, a really good ACC program? Yeah, so obviously the goal has always been to go Division One. Um, I've always had a dream of playing at University of North Carolina. So once I went in the portal and they decided to offer me, you know, it's kind of a no-brainer for me to come down here and continue my career. Um, I think from, you know, transferring down here from a Division three school, obviously, you know, the guys are a lot stronger, a lot faster, pretty much every aspect. You know, the pitching's harder. But, I mean, it was pretty uh, smooth transition. You know, the guys welcomed me with open arms. Uh, they were awesome. And, yeah, I mean, it was, it was pretty smooth, which was awesome. I don't know if you call it that humble brag where Trevor said you had a ton of success when you were with me at Arcadia. I don't know. I don't know if, if you anybody heard that or not, but I, I picked up on it. Yeah, um, anybody has to look at his numbers the years I wasn't there. And it was definitely tied to me. Um, but you know, you talk about going down. What was the mindset like? Because not that there's an intimidation, but it's different. Right now, you're you're you're, you're jumping like six states, right? You're up in PA, and, and you're from that area, and, and now you're coming all the way down to North Carolina. It's a bigger school. It's a bigger program, and, and you're the new guy, and you haven't been the new guy in some years. You were completely comfortable at Arcadia. What was your mindset like going into that? I think the, the biggest thing is just confidence. I mean, obviously, you know, I struggled a little bit early in the fall uh, with pitching and hitting. Um, obviously, you know, 
the speed difference is is huge. Obviously, now you're facing 95 as opposed to upper eights, and and that's being the hard thing. So, I mean, I think confidence was definitely the biggest thing for me. Just being able to, you know, believe in yourself and get in that box, just thinking, hey, you know, I'm a good hitter. I'm able to hit these guys. And I think that's what really helped me the most is once I was able to find my confidence back and just believe that, you know, hey, I'm a good hitter. I'm here for a reason. I think that's what helped me the most. What was the aha moment for you of when it clicked? Like, okay, I'm meant to be here. I know you've never doubted yourself at any point in your career, but like the moment of like maybe it was a specific play defensively, maybe it was a specific moment when you were inner squatting or even in practice where you're like, okay, like I can do this. And then it just started to absolutely spiral in the right direction for you. Yeah. So I think it was, um, I mean, we first, we started live at bats. And I was struggling a little bit. I was basically just guessing on pitches, you know, trying to think, hey, fastball's coming here, and then get off speed, don't swing, or vice versa, thinking off speed, then a fastball comes. So I think it was just we started scrimmaging, and I got in the box, and I was like, all right, you know what? Like, it's baseball. Just hit. Like, that's always been my mindset at Arcadia was, hey, get in there, whatever's coming. You know, if you get a strike, you know, you got to get your A swing off. So I think that was the biggest thing for me. And once we started the fall scrimmages, I kind of started getting back to that where I was like, okay, like I'm a hitter. I'm able to hit. I can still compete with these guys. And just the competitive factor. So once I was able to start doing that, that's when everything kind of started clicking a little bit more for me. Once we started scrimmaging, I was able to see like, hey, I can play with these guys. You know, I'm, I'm good enough to be here. They obviously brought me down here for a reason. So that was the biggest thing for me. It's funny how confidence in everything, like if you just, you know, the fake it till you make it sometimes is yeah. like so unbelievably accurate. Um, but that's that's something I kind of do want to talk about with you is, is your approach because, like you said, at Arcadia, I mean, bat to ball through the roof, right? Yeah. And and you, I feel like, especially towards the end there, you didn't get in the box and ever feel like you were overmatched. Like, there's you were in control no matter what. Come down here, there's a little more swing and miss at this level, right? The guy's stuff on the mound out there it has nothing to do with you. It's that guy's stuff out there is, is predicated towards swing and miss, especially in today's game. Were there any big adjustments you had to make in, in approach or kind of what you were doing when you got in the box against some of that higher-level higher, higher level stuff? Yeah, so I think, I mean, it wasn't, like, a, a huge difference. You know, I still, like, I still go in there, and, you know, I feel like, for me, I'm not the type of guy that's going to guess, like, what pitch is coming. I always just, no matter what, I'm sitting fastball and then – just adjusting to off speed. And I think that's like what helps me. There's some guys, yeah, some guys might be able to guess. But for me personally, I know that once I start guessing, that's when I'm going to have not have success. That's when I'm going to start failing and start thinking way too much. So for me, it's just keeping everything as simple as possible, going in there, thinking fastball, whatever comes, comes. And if it's a strike and I see it, then I'm going to swing and hopefully put it in play and hit it hard. Yeah, that's awesome. And then from an adjustment standpoint of, of the player development side, obviously, like, I'm sure there were times where, I mean, you probably kept the same swing for three years at Arcadia. It worked from day one. It worked through the two years. And obviously, you had a lot of success with it. What were some of the biggest adjustments from that standpoint of maybe what you had done in the past wasn't working or did it work? And, and did, were you able to keep doing what you had done for so long? Yeah, so which was, which, what was really good was uh, Coach Rears Bicky helped me out. Um, you know, obviously I pull off the ball a pretty decent amount. You saw it at Arcadia. Every time I get that inside pitch, I just fly open, open up. I think the biggest thing that we talked about was my backside. So working with my backside, my, front, my back knee would tend to go towards the plate instead of going straight towards the pitcher. So I'd have a little bit of wasted movement. 
and that would cause me to pull off the baseball. So he basically simplified that and was like, hey, I, I used to be really wide in my stance and, you know, get really low. And he was like, hey, you know, let's try shortening up a little bit, bring your feet a little closer together. And then we've just been doing a lot of back knee drills just to have my knee go straight to the pitcher as opposed to caving in a little bit and then just flying open with my shoulders. So when he taught me a couple things like that, it just it all clicked and helped so much. Yeah, and we're we're going to get in the cage today. That's a big reason why we brought you here. But obviously, it's nice to be able to sit down and talk about that. What was kind of went into that? Was that visually? Was that breaking down video? Was that was any technology that you guys used where you were able to kind of circle those things of being able to adjust that? Because I think a lot of times that's the biggest difference from Division Three and Division One is a lot of it for us at the Division Three level. It was guesswork. It was kind of like ah, I see this right, like and. You know, there's a lot of really good coaches out there that obviously know what they're seeing, and it's pretty um, concise in what they do. What kind of went into it in the player development side of those extra things that were a part of it? Yeah, it was definitely breaking down video after every inner squad. I mean, we have every single at-bat from all of our live at-bats on the field. Even when we're doing work off the machine, we're able to see how we're swinging. So um, I think the biggest thing was we would go down, and we would start breaking down the video, and he'd be like, okay, here – you could see your back knee goes straight to the plate before it starts going towards the pitcher, and that's why you pulled off this baseball. Or that's why you hit a ground ball. That's why you. That's why you did this. And then he'd show me other swings where I'm staying through the ball, and my back knee isn't going to the plate, and it's going straight forward towards the pitcher. And you could just see the ball is coming off the bat so much better, and it's hit a lot, a lot better. So it's definitely just breaking down video. How did that help? And then, you know, I guess I have two questions off of that. One is, is how did that learning process go for you then? Because, you know, it's great to see it on video, but then the application process of that is, is the hardest part, and that's what makes the guys who can make those adjustments are the ones who are successful, right? And that's what every, you know, coach-player relationship is about. So how did the application of that go? And then, two, did, did – do you think that you've seen, you know, what has that changed for you? Is it just now being able to consistently stay and be the guy that you were and, and get bat to ball against this stuff? Or are you seeing more powers and more gap strength? What what kind of has the, the directional side of things, I guess, uh, have you seen from that? Yeah, so, I mean, like he said, obviously we'll get in the cage later and I can show you some of the drills. But the drills that he showed me just for getting the back knee working towards the pitcher have been helping me a ton. And from that aspect, it's been helping me with my power, which I saw – a lot later in the fall, you know, more doubles, a couple home runs, you know, that that sort of thing. So I think it, it all kind of just comes together when you start thinking about, like, the little things. Like, I never, obviously, at Arcadia, I always, like, would pull off the baseball and I'd be like, why am I doing this? And I'd look at video and I'd, like, examine myself and I just I couldn't figure it out. And I obviously I watch video of hitters in the MLB that I think I'm similar to, so I watch a lot of, like, Bryson Stott and guys like that because I'm a Philly guy, obviously. <laughs> And uh, so I watch all these guys, and I'd be like, all right, what are they doing? And I could see they work really well with their lower half. And I always thought it was my lower half, but I just couldn't, like, pick out the exact thing that it was. And once he picked it out and was like, hey, this is what you're doing, I was like, that makes a lot of sense. And I was like, okay, so what do I have to do? And he showed me a bunch of these drills, and he was like, this is, this is uh, what I think is going to help you. And, I mean, it, it has definitely helped me a lot. So, And it, it's so fascinating because, you know, you go up and, and – sometimes it struggles or the easiest time for a coach to come in and, and say anything. Right. And when you've had so much success, that's the balance of it. It's like, you know, I mean, we used to talk about it all the time. It was, I used to say like for the player, Alex can be right. Which 
I know from talking to you was professional baseball playing at this level, competing at a high level and being that it's like he could use this development, but Keith Curley, good friend, friend of the podcast, he would always say, I would take it in 450 any day of the week. <laughs> and it's so fascinating of a conversation because 10 years ago when the transfer portal wasn't a thing, that probably is the reality of it is like just roll out, hit 450 for four years, enjoy your career, be able to hang your hat on that, multi-time All-American, all the stuff that comes with that. But then you make the step up and you understand the developmental aspect of being able to compete when guys are quicker, faster, stronger, and everything that comes from that. Kind of talk a little bit about how important it is to be open-minded to development when you are faced with adversity and you do struggle a little bit early in the fall. Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, you know, there's going to be hard times and, you know, nothing, nothing's going to go your way and you got to be willing to, you know, see the good and bad. So obviously when you're on a hot streak and you're hitting the ball well, you know, you can't get too high and be like, okay, like I don't need to do anything. You know, there's still something you can work on. So I think that was the, the biggest thing for me was just trying to find that, that level where, I was able to be like, okay, I'm hitting the ball really well here. What am I doing well? And then figure that out. And then when I wasn't hitting well, be like, okay, what am I doing wrong? And then just kind of looking at both of those and seeing like, okay, this is what you're doing wrong. Like you need to just like stay in the middle, obviously. And I think that's like the biggest thing is just finding that that middle ground. It doesn't sound like there was any panic, even when you were struggling a little bit in the fall. Where does that mindset come from? Does it come from just being a Philly kid? Like, where, where is, that, is that something you've always had? You know what I mean? Because, you know, obviously the reputation of, of Philadelphia is tough and, and, and being able to get through adversity and blue collar and all the buzzwords people use for the city of yeah. Philadelphia. Um, is that where that comes from? Have you always had that mindset? Or is that something that you've kind of learned? Because, you know, to, again, I think it, there's something to be said about, you know, obviously making the jump, but regardless of the jump you made, just going into a new place as someone who's, you know, you know, later in their, in their college career who had it figured out at the place they were to then go and struggle a little bit in the beginning. It, it takes, you know, a, a tough mindset to kind of be able to come through that. So where did you get that mindset? Is that something you've always had? I feel like I've always had it, but like not, not like fully. So when I first started at Arcadia, obviously, um, you know, my first year there, I struggled a little bit and, you know, I butted heads with, with Coach Torsani, and, uh, but, you know, he helped me tremendously. I mean, he, he was like, hey, like, listen, like, obviously there's going to be games where you struggle, and, you know, you got to be able to just move on from it and, you know, take everything, move on, you know, next pitch and next at bat, not worry about the things that happen, just worry about what's to come. So I think that's the biggest thing for me was figuring out, okay, like, hey, I struck out, so what? I'm just going to go next at bat, next ground ball, whatever it is. So I think that's what, what helped me was just, you know, finding that, that sort of mindset and just it all comes back to confidence at the same, the same time is just being confident in yourself and your abilities. And I think that's like, that's just the biggest thing is just literally being confident in yourself. And being confident is so hard. I mean, your, your story is so fascinating as, um, you know, under-recruited out of high school, right, and came to a Division three program and, and weren't, was an impact guy right away. Talk about kind of carrying that confidence when you are under-recruited. Like, it's so easy. We have a lot of high schoolers that, that are around the facility a lot that get under-recruited. And it's very easy to lose faith, right? Lose faith in your abilities. And not everybody, like, you are the the outlier of the story to go to Division three and then end up at a UNC Chapel Hill. But there are a lot of kids that are under-recruited that end up Division three all-conference guys and impact guys. So talk about how you kept your confidence and belief in yourself, even as a guy that wasn't recruited to the programs that you probably expected to be recruited to. 
Yeah, definitely. I think it was, I mean, for me, I've always been a hard worker and, you know, I kind of don't like to, I kind of just put a chip on my shoulder and just like to keep working. And I like to work in silence a little bit. So, you know, obviously you can go and, and practice and do all the things when the coaches are watching. But I think the biggest thing is getting in that extra work, getting in the weight room, doing all the little things that some people think don't really matter. But, you know, getting those extra swings by yourself, just tons of reps off the machine, obviously not overdoing it because you can overdo it and start creating bad habits for yourself. But I think there's a time where, you know, you need to get in there and just, you know, figure out your swing, figure out what type of player you are and just believing in yourself and just constant hard work. And I think obviously if you work hard enough, you're going to get to where you want to be. So that that was kind of my mindset is just work as hard as possible. You know, obviously I have a dream and a goal and I'm going to follow that and whatever happens, happens. Yeah, and I, it's fascinating because the background on like our relationship and how it was built was you were kind of the man in, that lived in infamy, right? During the fall, you didn't play. You took reps at shortstop and I mean, you took reps at shortstop like it, your job depended on it. And at that point in time, you weren't officially the starting shortstop for us. But I remember I grew like really big admiration for you when it was like I would go, you know, hit the weight room in the afternoon or something like that. And I knew you guys had off lift or we gave hitters off or whatever. And, you know, I was just doing my normal routine, going to the gym and I'd look across the gym in the, you know, in the regular student weight room, which is where I worked out. And there you were getting after it. Right. And I was like, man, like. That's interesting because most college kids, you get an opportunity to rest up. You know, we were full go with weights five days a week or so and then practice obviously six days a week and sometimes two times a day. And you still felt the need to get after it at that point in time. That was kind of one of the most impressive moments for you. And it was like then you started to have success on the field and it's like it all makes sense. And I think anybody who's been with you, and I know there's probably not a question with this, would probably agree with like nothing you've ever done has come as a surprise to anybody because of the work ethic. It's not necessarily everybody believes in your talent, but everybody knows it's like, well, Alex is going to outwork everybody no matter where he's at. And kind of what, where did that come from? Who are maybe some influences that make you want to work like that? Is that just something that was just, you're just cut from a different cloth? I think, I think for me, the biggest thing there was, you know, coming out of high school and talking to all these different colleges, a lot of the, the same thing was, hey, you know, you're too small, you know, you're not big enough, you're not strong enough, you're not fast enough, you know, all those things. And that put a chip on my shoulder to once I got to Arcadia, I was like, okay, you know, I'm kind of going to show these guys like, hey, I can get after it, like I can compete with these guys. I'm obviously going to put in the work to get myself stronger, get myself faster and just be able to compete at that level. So I think the biggest thing for me was kind of just taking what those guys said and just being like, okay, like, I'm basically going to show you like what I can do. Cause if you don't believe in me, like I believe in myself. So I think that was the biggest thing for me was just being able to be like, okay, you know, maybe I'm not the biggest guy, but I can go get in the weight room and then, you know, see where it takes me. So kind of just fell in love with the weight room. That, that like, Perfect. Just like end it right there. You fell in love with the weight room. Like just so many, I mean, cause it is so important. And I think sometimes that we could, I mean, just sitting here talking, we dive into to the mechanics of, of the baseball playing. And I think the weight room goes so far. And, and sometimes, you know, not anymore, but it used to get overlooked a little bit. And, and falling in love with the weight room is a really good way to continue <laughs> to be successful in your career no matter what. But um, 
just real quick, I, we've talked a little bit about hitting defensively. I'm just curious, have, did you feel like there was an adjustment defensively as you moved up here? Because, you know, obviously, you know, you're playing shortstop at the Division three level, you're making all the plays, but now, like you said before, game's moving a little quicker. Was there a defensive adjustment, and did you have to change your mindset defensively at all? I don't know if it's something as simple as, like, i got to get the ball out of my hands quicker now or, or what. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't think there was really too much of an adjustment. Obviously, you got to know your runner, which – we did a lot of drills like that at Arcadia where, you know, you take a ground ball and we do the same thing at UNC where it's, he'll be like, okay, this is a, you know, three, nine or a, a three, eight runner. You got to get the ball out pretty quick here. And we take ground balls and I get the ball out really fast and I'd get it over and it'd be like three, five. And he's like, dude, like you still have time. So like, you got to know like, Hey, like this is my mental clock. So I think here it was just learning the mental clock a little bit better and being like, okay, say, a big hitter's up, dude that doesn't run really well, he smokes a ball at you. Obviously, you have a lot more time. You know, you can set your feet, take a couple of shuffles, and then get it out. Then you got a guy like Vance Honeycutt coming up the bat and who flies down the line. He smokes one at you. You still got time because he roped a ball, but you just know, like, hey, I got to get this out a little bit faster. So I think it's just knowing who you're going up against and just being able to get the ball out fast and, and vice versa, being able to take some time, take a couple of shuffles. Did you feel prepared when you got there? I know because obviously Dan doesn't know as much behind the scenes of how Coach Torsani runs a day-to-day, but I would take it as you probably felt pretty prepared, and, and I would guess you would say for certain. Yeah, definitely. Definitely felt pretty prepared going in there. I mean, Tor runs a tight ship, so you know I kind of figured it would be pretty similar, and it, it is very similar, and I mean, he definitely prepared me like very well for, for where I'm at now. I want to ask you a little bit because you talked about falling in love with the weight room. Um, and again, compliments to Arcadia and Coach Hughes and the staff and everything that they do there. Super impressive, super great facilities. That was one of the best things that we had there. But there's a difference, right? And every time, I mean, I look, you're sitting here with the microphone pulled up to your face, your, your arms stacked up <laughs> like in that in that long sleeve shirt. What's the biggest difference? Um, is it just a matter of being able to hold on weight because, you know, you have more protein shakes access to? Um, what's been the biggest difference weight room-wise of the transition from Division three to Division one? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing, like, like you said, is just, like, the resources. I mean, at Arcadia, obviously, you don't have, you know, you get done a lift, you got to go back to your apartment, make a protein shake, or go get food, like, by yourself. Whereas here, you get done a lift, you got muscle milks and all this stuff just waiting for you in the in the fridge in the lock in the uh, weight room so you have everything right there right at your hands and and uh right there for you so I think that was definitely the biggest thing is you know it's a lot easier to put on weight here and maintain your weight as opposed to Arcadia where you're going lifting sometimes going straight to hitting group then straight to practice so it's hard to find a meal and you're struggling to find that protein so here it's just I mean it's so much easier have you had a, a, a was there a, a at any point a, a welcome to the to this level moment for you? Was there a point that like you were you were kind of sitting there and you, you thought you had things figured out and then something happens and you're like oh oh man I'm not <laughs> this isn't what I thought. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think honestly it was like my first at bat here. I get in, I was facing a uh, Jake Knapp who's probably going to be our Friday guy, and it was just live at bat, so no fielders, nothing, and. You know, I was guessing a little bit, but still, you know, he threw me. I think he threw me three straight fastballs, and I just watched all three of them straight down the middle, and I was like, okay, like, (laughs) time to make an adjustment. Like, you're here now. Like, that's what you saw, so you got to get used to it now. So I think that was like a 
here you are, welcome to the ACC kind of moment for me. That's pretty cool. And, and another one that I was thinking of too, was there ever a moment that like you, you were kind of just like in the zone and maybe like a, a tweener fly ball, you know, in the triangle of middle infield and center field and you're going out hard for it thinking that, you know, and, and nothing we love Matt Sott and the people that have been in center field at Arcadia. And the next thing you know, like a Vance Honeycutt comes trotting in and you're like, wow, he got to something that I thought, you know, your baseball career has told you that, I mean, he's an 80 grade defender for a reason that like, I normally catch that ball, but he kind of came in and, and was like, nah, I got it. You know, was there ever a moment like that in the fall? Yeah, no, there's, there's a couple of times. I mean, Vance didn't play much of the fall, but he played towards the end. But I mean, him and Anthony D'Onofrio are two very speedy guys and, you know, basically exactly what you're saying, you know, pop fly, you're sprinting out thinking that it's mine the whole way, you know, going for it. And then all you hear is like ball, ball, ball. And you're like, okay, like veer off. And I'm like, I don't know how he got here, but I'll let him get that one. Like if he's there, he's there. So yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy to see these guys work. That's, that's awesome. And so I do want to talk, obviously, like we got a, another sit down conversation that, that we're really going to enjoy. So, and we're going to get in the cage, so we're not going to spend too much time and, and we'll get you on an interview as, as the season progresses. And obviously as we get on the back end, but I want to talk a little bit about the transfer portal itself. Um, it's kind of this, um, you know, it's such a big catchphrase in, in all of college athletics, right? You know, college football, we see it almost too much. And then college baseball, it's a big piece as well. Um, you know, we've talked about why the importance of the decision was and how you ended up here, but kind of talk about the experience of entering the transfer portal and what, obviously, we know what went into the decision itself. But, um, you know, how was it? Were you hearing from a lot more coaches than you thought? Were you not hearing from coaches? Was it just like a mixed bag of kind of randomness? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I was definitely hearing from a lot more coaches than I expected. When I, uh, when I first went into the portal, you know, Coach Torsani and I both agreed on, on entering the portal. He actually was the one who was like, hey, I think you should enter the portal early so that way you can, you know, start getting looks, start talking to schools for your grad year. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I would definitely love that. So he put me in there and we were he, at first he was like hey like I want you to just not email anybody don't contact anybody I want to see who reaches out and at first I was like all right like thinking okay I'm probably not going to get too many schools to reach out reach out to me and this and that and then right off the bat within like hours and a couple of days I'm just getting texts and calls from a bunch of different schools and I was like wow like this is this is crazy this is a real deal so I mean it's just it's it's such a huge aspect in today's game. And I think it, it's obviously helped me out tremendously, but I mean, I didn't think I was going to get a lot of the calls that I did and I was kind of shocked. And then once I was able to reach out, you know, reaching out to different schools and just saying like, Hey, I want to come play here. Like, I don't know. And then, you know, just reaching out, UNC reached out and I was like, yeah, this is just the spot I want to, I want to go to. Uh, not a lot of guys go in a year before they're, they're ready to make the transfer. Right. And, and obviously you're allowed to do that. But it's it's um, interesting to me. Did you put any pressure on yourself that last year at Arcadia, knowing that like, all right, I'm in there and I'm auditioning essentially? Like, was there was there a mental side of that that was a little bit tough because of that? Yeah. So it's funny you bring that up. Um, you know, obviously, I didn't think anything of it, honestly, for myself. I was kind of just being the same kid, you know, I had a chip on my shoulder, playing hard, you know, um, hating to lose and all that. But you know, Tor brought me aside after one of our games, and he was like, hey, dude, like, you're not, you're not like this Division three kid anymore, like, now you're, you're like this D1 guy, like, you gotta, you gotta keep your head on, like, you gotta, people are out to get you, like, all that stuff, like, you need to, you need to start thinking about that, and I was like, yeah, you're right, you know, gotta, 
know, be level-headed and, and make sure I'm not getting too ahead of myself. So I think that was just the biggest thing. And you've mentioned a couple of times about how appealing UNC was. Um, you know, I'm sure it was a dream growing up. Kind of talk about how it went once contact happened and you started to make those conversations. It's not as simple as, you know, this school calls and I'm just going to just show up there just because they called. Um, obviously, you have to have those conversations in a mature and make the decision that's best for you in a mature way. What went into, you know, picking UNC once they did initiate that content? Yeah, so I, I talked to them for a little while, and, you know, on the phone I called Coach Wearsbicki, uh, Coach Forbes, and just about every other coach there. And, you know, we had conversations. They talked about, you know, their playing style and, you know, what they do from the offensive pers uh, perspective, from the defensive perspective. And, you know, I kind of just saw myself as a good fit there. You know, I looked at, obviously, I looked at a bunch of different schools, and I would look at kind of like their numbers and what they're about from the offensive side because, obviously, I'm not the – biggest power guy you know I'm trying to find my way on base steal a couple bags you know find a way to score and be the tone setter for the the bigger guys in the lineup so I felt a good fit here and um I mean obviously you know you get on the phone with them and you know you think like instantly like oh my god like I'm gonna go there this that and the other thing but <laughs> at the same time you're like okay I can't be like this this fan guy I gotta mm -hmm. I gotta still weigh out all my options and be like okay, like, yeah, they're offering me this and, you know, compare it with other schools and, and what you think is the best fit. And obviously academically too, I mean, it's just such a great school. So either way, it was definitely the best fit for me. What are you looking forward to most, I guess, this spring? Um, you know, I, I, is it just the level of play? What, you know, what are you most excited for, you know, heading into this, this season? Because it's probably going to be the most unique baseball season you've had ever. Yeah, definitely. I think the, the biggest thing is just competing and playing for, I mean, obviously a dream growing up is to play in Omaha. So I think the biggest thing is just having that opportunity to be able to go there and hopefully, you know, make a run and see where this team takes us. I mean, I, I saw that a lot of guys were saying, a lot of guys were coming back. And I think that's what really was one of the, the biggest things for me too in coming here was I wanted to go somewhere that they're going to win. They have a winning culture. You know, they have a history of going to Omaha. So I think that was another big thing for me was just being able to go to a school that's, you know, top in the ACC, has the ability to go to Omaha, you know, goes to regionals, host regionals, all, all those sorts of things. So I think that was the biggest thing for me was just being able to go somewhere where they're going to win. I mean, that was it's funny because that was the first moment that the idea of you playing in Omaha, like settled in, in my brain, like you mentioned it twice. And it's, I mean, it's a reality, right? It's like, you know, for the longest time it was about getting, you know, no sleep till Cedar Rapids. Yeah. And now it's like, you know, you're in a locker room that actually has aspirations and goals and, and realistic aspirations and goals of getting to Omaha. And I think that's, you know, that's something that's so cool. And that's gotta be like, you know, again, like you mentioned childhood dream level, like stuff it's yeah. like that is that has got to be like one of the coolest things of the transition of actually having a realistic opportunity to potentially play in Omaha oh yeah definitely I mean it's it, it really is a, it's surreal I mean it's it's insane and I mean I think the biggest thing too is that just the guys here I mean everybody's got the same goal which is whereas our Arcadia everybody had similar goals you know we all said we wanted to go to Cedar Rapids this that and the other thing but you know a lot of the guys would put in the work, but you wouldn't see them putting in like the extra work. Whereas here, every guy is putting in that extra work that, you know, needs to be done in order for you to get to those places. So I think that's obviously one of the, the biggest things too from that aspect is just every guy wants it that much more than at the division three level.
I'm so happy you said that because I, I think we've had a couple guys around here ask me a little bit about playing at, at the Division Two level and stuff like that, and I'm just coaching at the Division Two level, and that's kind of exactly what I said to him was like, well, at that level, like you just have a it, the difference of everybody's kind of character and work ethic across the board is crazy. Like, you know, you'll have a guy who's just so extremely talented, he doesn't need to put in the extra work, and he'll still go out there and be one of the best players. You got guys that work really hard. At this level, though, I feel like it's like everybody's chasing, obviously, the team goals, but also the personal aspirations of it's very realistic. You go to a school like North Carolina and you play at the next level, but you got to put in the work to get there. Um, I, I got to imagine that, like, that culture is, like, right up your alley. Like, that's, like, a just dream come true for you. Right? Oh, yeah, definitely. And I think that's that's one of the best things, too, is the competitive aspect from just, like, every single position on the field. Like, you go in the scrimmages and you could see guys – play in the different uh, different positions, and every single guy is good. Like, every single guy has that ability to be in the lineup. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I was looking forward to is just being able to compete for a spot. And, you know, obviously at a Division three level, you know, there's certain guys where you know, like, coming in as a freshman, like, hey, this guy's good, but, like, you're going to need to develop him in order for him to be able to play. And whereas at this level, it's like, okay, Anybody can play on any spot, so you got to bring it every single day and continue to work in order to, you know, win the job. Yeah, iron sharpens iron, right? And, exactly. and I think that's one of the biggest things is the depth conversation of, you know, we you say it at smaller schools like where Dan and I were at. It's like, oh, every guy was 3-4 on their high school team. It's like every guy at a school like UNC was like draft conversation level guy. Like it's just the reality of it, and you have to bring it every single day and I mean from the sounds of it and from what the buzz around what you had done this fall it seems like that it's going to be an opportunity that you did go and compete and show what you're capable of I mean I'm scrolling through social media last night and knowing that I'm going to have a conversation with you and there's a D1 baseball article written about you how was did that like hit kind of differently or has that just been kind of since you did kind of perform this fall and it's kind of become the norm at this point? But how cool was that to to kind of did you get a heads up on that? Did you know that it was coming or were you like me scrolling social media and you're just like, wow, I got mentioned in something and whoa, that's pretty cool. Yeah, no, I honestly had no idea that it was coming. So, I mean, I saw that and I was like, well, this is pretty cool, but. You know, Coach Tor actually texted me and said, don't take the cheese, and that's that's something that <laughs> that he always said at, at Arcadia. And, I mean, definitely he's completely right. You know, you got to – yeah, like they can say that and everybody can say, oh, he's done, like, great things in the fall. But at the end of the day, it's still the fall. So, you know, I still have to work and just continue to grind. And, you know, whatever happens, happens. Hopefully, you know, you get the job and, you know, you run with it. So, obviously, I'm not going to take it too much. But, you know, it, it is really cool to, to see that. Yeah, I was, I was thinking about asking you that earlier. Like, have you taken a second to kind of soak it in almost? Because, and, and not because, again, like you said earlier, like you don't want to be a fanboy, but you worked really hard to get to this point. And, and I think that you should be able to recognize that at some point. Have you? Was there a moment at all where you kind of took a deep breath and was like, all right, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I mean, just throughout the fall, it's just like you kind of – start feeling a little bit more comfortable and, and around the guys and everything like that. And then it's like, okay, like, yeah, I'm here for a reason. Like, I, I can compete with these guys. I see the level of play. Like, I'm, I know I'm good enough to play here and, and those sort of things. So I think it was, you know, at first it still, like, didn't feel real. And I was like, this is insane, the fact that we're here. And then as you start going and you start playing more games, you start feeling a little bit more comfortable. And you're like, this is, like, it's just, it's just awesome to be here. It's just such a cool experience. 
Yeah, I mean, I always used to say timing takes time, right? And like it's it's whether adjustments in life, it takes time, you know, and, and whether it's in the box against 95, it's like, you know, no matter how much you sit there and try to replicate it in a practice setting, it takes time to, to get used to it. It takes time to see it coming out of a hand. It takes time, you know, these pitchers are bigger. They're, they're stronger. They get down the mound a little bit quicker. So even maybe if you even saw 92 to 94 at the Division three level, well, how about it coming from a 6'6 guy instead yeah. of a 6'1 a guy, whatever it was hypothetically. But kind of talk about the transition academically. I think that's something that a lot of people don't factor into when they think about the transfer portal is like, you know, you obviously mentioned the, the academic accolades that a UNC Chapel Hill has and what that degree is going to mean for somebody like you. I always tell Dan that, you know, if you had an UNC Chapel Hill degree, you can get pretty much any degree or any job in the area because it matters around here. Um, kind of talk about how that transition has been from, you know, probably more 15 to 17 to 25 people in your class to potentially a lot more at a campus that has a lot more students in total. Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously the lectures are a lot bigger. There's 100 to 150 people sitting in class, so... I mean, I think the biggest thing is just, you know, showing up, obviously, if you show up to class and you, you do your work, you know, you're going to be you're going to be fine. So, I mean, it wasn't really a, a drastic jump. You know, I've, I've always been pretty good in the classroom. So I know, you know, I find a way to get the work done. And I, I think it's just, you know, obviously you got to you know be willing to do it. You know, school is obviously an aspect you need to you need to be good at school in order to play baseball. So, I mean, I kind of just take it as you know, find a way to get it done in the classroom, and then that way you can you can find your way on the field. So, I mean, obviously it's huge that, that I'm in an NBA program and getting a certificate in that, so that'll be awesome for me. But I think it's just it's just great, like, just being able to get a degree from here and, and go to class here is just awesome. And one, just a, an awesome campus to be on, too. I mean, just one of the – I mean – it was like we, we came up to see it during, I think it was moving weekend, right? And it was just like, I looked at Trevor and I was like, man, I miss college. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like just the, the vibes of, of being on a college campus is and, and a big one like that. Um, and I think, you know, you make a good point there when you're saying you, you have to be good in the classroom to get it done. And then you're now at a place where baseball is your full-time job. Like, but you also have to be a good student. How... How critical is time management, which is an obvious answer, I think, but also, like, how much easier was it for you to make the adjustment because of the fact that you had been in college for four years already? Yeah, so I think, obviously, being in, in school for the four years has helped tremendously. Obviously, it is a little bit more here. You know, we're at the field for, you know, you get done class, you go straight over to the field. The good thing is we have the players' lounge, and you have all these resources at the field for you in order to do your homework. So, you know, you might have a hitting group for an hour, and then you have – hour hour and a half off until we have team practice so you know you're able to go from hitting group go in the locker room grab your laptop go into the players lounge you know get some homework done and then go to practice get done practice and and do some more homework but time management is huge I mean it's definitely a really big thing you know you got to be you can't just like you can't just slack off and be like okay like I have homework due but I don't, I don't really feel like doing this I'm gonna play video games for for an hour and a half or two hours you know you gotta you gotta put the work in still so Glenside or Chapel Hill? <laughs> it's got to be Chapel Hill. <laughs> got to be Chapel Hill. Glenside's not bad, though. Glenside's well, not I bad. Don't know. Glenside's it's not. not bad. <laughs> it is not. It is not. Dan, you have any more questions for Alex before we, uh, we let good. him I'm excited to, to have you here and excited for what you, what you got coming this spring, and, and we wish you the best of luck. We'll be out to see you play. I can't wait. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. Definitely, and I know I've told you this before, but super proud of everything you've accomplished. I mean, super fired up that you're here and, and sitting down with us, and, and I think it's going to be a lot of good content, but uh, I'm also 
super fired up to watch you play this spring and, and be able to be local and support you and be able to get up there and see you play multiple times this, this spring and, and super fired up for you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Thank you guys for tuning into this episode of the Backside Ground Balls podcast. We'll see you next time.